0: Is that dead? what an amazing track and that was harry belafonte and the banana boat song and that starts off jj's music box now every week we feature a fantastic artist and some of their amazing music and their life and let me welcome again this week jayang javeri into the studio good afternoon to you jayang
1: good afternoon sadie it's, uh... Pleasure to be back with you once
0: again. It's always lovely to have you actually in the studio, face to face, where I can actually yes, see you. thank God are
1: in the studio, and not out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it's ventrential, hasn't it? Yes. I suppose the banana boat song was quite appropriate at this stage because <laughs> it is quite, it is quite kind of wet out there. Anyway, Joe, now Harry Belafonte, mm. he is. An amazing singer and you know we've just heard one of his tracks there and that was going back to the 1950s you were saying
1: yes wow. 1956
0: and yet it sounds like a track that you could just put out today and everyone would love it
1: yeah sure sure it's one of these um, timeless pieces of mm. music recorded music
0: yeah it gets you moving regardless so tell me about Harry Belafonte
1: well He belongs to the long succession of um, male artists, actually artists that we have featured, who are untrained
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and who are very good at many things.
0: Amazing, isn't it? I just cannot believe just how many artists that you've talked to talked about that didn't actually have any solid sort of training behind them. It was it, it is pure talent, isn't it?
1: In fact, Harry's talent was. I mean, Harry Harry was trained in uh, theatre and uh, mm-hmm. drama and mu- mm-hmm. and film, mm-hmm. not in music, and music just happened to him. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's the amazing thing. I've got to add a caveat there. Often. As a teacher of music, my students or people I speak to hold up examples of such and such an artist who had no training and yet he sang so well. Mm -hmm. Ergo, you don't have to be trained to be a good singer. Mm -hmm. Now, in statistics, there's something known as sampling error. (laughs) Right. Right. So you've seen a few outliers and then you conclude that the rest of the population is going to be the same. Uh It doesn't happen. Uh You Uh know, yes, there are many gifted human beings in the world, but the rest of us have to put in the long hours.
0: Yeah. Have to work hard on it. That's right.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, coming back to Harry... Um, he's now 95 years old.
0: Yes, I was reading that he's... And he's still kind of activist. He's still been doing a few things. Um,
1: a few things. I don't think he performs anymore. Mm, mm. Um, he's... Um, he's quite an
0: activist, though, isn't Yeah, it?
1: he's quite an activist. And once in a while, there is a tribute concert and he kind of comes out of the woodwork um, and, um, you know, makes his presence felt. But... Uh, Ninety-five years old, he was born in 1927 to Jamaican parents in New York City. And then he spent eight years of his childhood back home in Jamaica with his grandmother.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: came back to New York, attended school, served in the Navy during World War II, and then came back, and he was a janitor's assistant. And one fine day, mm-hmm. the person Gosh. that he was employer offered him a ticket. To attend the American Negro Theatre. And he attended and he absolutely fell in love with acting. And then that's where he met Sidney Poitier. Yeah, oh,
0: right, the actor. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And uh, there started a very long, lifelong association with uh, Sidney Poitier. And then what happened was that because, you know, there wasn't enough money to go around, so they would both buy a ticket to the theatre. <laughs> And they would share the seat. So (laughs) act one is Harry, act two is Sydney, and so on and so forth. And they'd come out and tell each other what what, what actually happened.
0: (laughs) That's a great one.
1: Yeah. But um, that then uh, led him to study drama. And it was interesting who his fellow students were, apart from Sydney Poitier. Marlon Brando and Tony Curtis.
0: Wow. Yeah, some real greats. Yeah
1: and um, he's
0: in good company then
1: (laughs) (laughs) so to pay for all those classes he sang at clubs okay and you're talking about his good company in acting well uh, in music he had the company of the likes of Charlie Parker and Miles Davis Wow yeah so he sang and then he got noticed as they do Um, and Uh, by uh, RCA Victor, the record company, who signed him up in 1953, Mm -hmm. and which is when he recorded his first famous single, Matilda. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then after that, he has never had to look back. Now, one thing, compared to some of the other male artists that we have profiled, Harry Belafonte's actual performance career was rather short. So we're talking about sort of between 53 to about 74 um, uh, which is when he kind of uh, after that he came in for live performances but uh, the new releases were few and far between okay yeah but short but very very eventful and what a mark he left Um, and the most important thing is that that album Calypso from which you played the first track Banana Boat Mm -hmm. was released in 1956 and it became the first pop album to sell over a million copies.
0: God, that's good.
1: He still holds that record.
0: Yeah, wow. That's amazing. That's, what, 1956, you said. That's saying, correct, right? 1956. So this is like international fame then, isn't it, in terms of people buying the record and everywhere, is it?
1: Yep, that's absolutely, uh, that's, that's the case. And uh, it was interesting because that record sat... For thirty one weeks on the billboard number one. Thirty one <laughs> Go figure.
0: Go. <Cool>.
1: Sixty weeks. <laughs> in the top ten. And ninety nine weeks. That must be on a record in all
0: respects, oh, absolutely. I should think. Yes. Absolutely. Yes.
1: You know, I mean that music just took them by storm and it was so different from mm. what uh, mm. was prevalent at that mm. time, you mm. know. And uh, see, that's that's been my criterion for selecting the artists that we have featured. Um, you, you'd, I'd struggle to call any one of them mainstream as such. Yes. But they've been so popular. They've been they've defined their own generation. They've made a mark. They've and made Peter, a big absolutely. mark. And yes. Harry was definitely one of the one of those. And then, following that, he had many live albums. In fact, he did two albums, which were. Um, Recorded live at uh, Carnegie Hall in New York, mm-hmm. and and in '61, he did an album, um, uh, "Jump Up Calypso," which uh, yes,
0: I played the track you played the track from on. that album. That's right.
1: Yeah, again, that was another million seller.
0: Gosh so it's like continuous success in you know with regards to the the tracks he was releasing. I mean pretty solid tracks there which which everyone I suppose was familiar were fam- they were familiar with them.
1: Sure sure absolutely. And then he teamed up with singers such as uh Nana Mushkuri, whom mm-hmm. we have met before, and mm-hmm. we are going to meet her again today.
0: Yes, I know the last track, which I found. Oh, I was listening; it was lovely. I won't say anything more about it, I'm going to leave it to you. <laughs> That's to going do to be a little leader. surprise.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I thought that you know we could have played any of his other songs, you know, um, uh, but um, or Matilda or one of the, one of his other hits. But I thought that was that one was yeah, very special. Yeah, that was special. excellent.
0: It is excellent. Yes, and
1: he also teamed up with the South African singer Miriam Makiba. Uh-huh. And that spoke to a lot of his um, activism. Um, he was very closely associated with the civil rights movement, was very close to Martin Luther King Jr., uh-huh. and also very closely associated with the Democratic Party in the United States. In fact, he sang at uh, John F. Kennedy's inauguration okay. in 1961. hmm. Uh-huh. So uh, he took it upon himself to introduce um, black uh, artists, especially South African artists mm-hmm. like Miriam Makeba to the rest of the world. And that album, which he did with Miriam Makeba, actually won him a Grammy.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, for him as a black artist, was there any sort of significant struggle? Because I know at that time, perhaps, It wasn't as common. I mean, we do have we have featured a number of people Mm -hmm. on the on JJ's music box, but you know, did he struggle at all to to be accepted, or his music just spoke louder than anything else?
1: You know, when you've got an album which sold a million plus copies in in nineteen fifty six, which was a time where there was segregation and all sorts of other things, and the civil rights movement was quite nascent then. Yes. Uh, No, not really. It doesn't appear to me that he had any, uh, he he struggled. In fact, he counts Paul Robeson as his mentor.
0: Okay.
1: So the famous singer and actor and also the activist, black activist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, no, and in fact, um, he used his stature um, and his popularity to raise money for the American Civil Rights Movement. I mean, he did concerts, he did campaigns. That's fantastic, yeah. Yeah. So he was very associated with that particular cause. So, and he also, starting 59 and during the 60s, he appeared on many TV specials, mm-hmm. uh, which were dedicated to him and his music. Um, but it was during the mid-60s, his career kind of, music career kind of began to wane because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, the you know, the pop music scene was pretty overshadowed by the likes of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kind of, and I, w- I would just say that you know slowed down quite quite considerably. In fact, they said that his, his um, last major album of original works was released uh, uh, in in the in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. But he continued doing a lot of live shows, and he definitely continued with. Uh, uh, his political and uh, humanitarian activi- activism. In fact, he was also associated with a lot of causes uh, to do with poverty and hunger alleviation in Africa.
0: Mm-hmm. So he was pretty active, and I mean, not only is he carving out his career, but he's actually making steps for other people as well and opening up channels there.
1: That's great, and besides. Um, and singing, of course, he had a very uh, prolific acting career. Um, mm-hmm. There were f- movies in the fifties. Because he's a very
0: handsome man, he was very good looking, and well, he is. I suppose he still is at yes. ninety-five <laughs> for his age. But I mean, you know, I was just looking at some of the images on Google and stuff, and he really was a very handsome man. You know, in his young age,
1: married three times. Oh,
0: right, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, he was obviously charming as well. And there were
1: also rumours of a very torrid affair with Joan Collins during the making of uh, the movie Island in the Sun.
0: Okay, (laughs) interesting.
1: So, yeah, a lot of these um, artists led very colourful lives.
0: Well, probably that uh, helps them in in what they do as well, I suppose. The passion comes through in some of of the music as well, due to that.
1: So, you know what they say in astrology? Uh Venus is the planet which rules creativity, Uh um, the arts, and also your romantic life.
0: There you go
1: then. So if you have a strong Venus, um, you're bound to, I mean, it has both sides of the coin, right? So strength in one area. You know, you're bound to kind of, I I struggle to use a word, I can't call it balance, can't call it anything (laughs) else. I said counterbalance, I suppose, (laughs) with... um, you know uh, interests in other areas yes so okay. it's so
0: it might have helped him it might. <laughs> he's got it I mean it's very smooth I mean his voice is am- yeah. amazingly you know smooth and charming and 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 you know I can imagine we women getting weak in the knees when they've heard him do some of his romantic oh, numbers yes. you oh, know because yeah. I, I always remember you know listening to him during Christmas time that was the time you'd hear it. and he'd be making appearances on shows certainly in the UK I used to watch programs where Harry Belafonte you know I used to see him then so So, you know, he was obviously active and and out there and he was obviously a good actor. So he had no problems about getting in front of the public.
1: Yes, certainly. In fact, um, uh, one of his most famous albums was uh, released in... uh, It was a live album with a video uh, released in 1995 called Harry Belafonte in Friends, Mm -hmm. where he introduced a number of other artists, including... I remember I've seen... I've watched that uh, film... um, had a relative in the United States who was so fond of it that I stayed when I stayed with them for about a week, he must have played that tape three times.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> and there was a singer from Cameroon who was quite interesting. I still remember that uh, wow. particular That's video. Cool. Good. So yeah, and he did movies, Carmen Jones, Island of the Sun, Odd Odd Against tom- odds Against Tomorrow. Um, and a whole bunch of other movies in the 50s and the 60s. -hmm. Um, And I think it might have also appeared in a few during the 70s and the 80s. But um, uh, he spent most of his active music career touring and performing in concerts.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He was also responsible, primarily responsible, I believe, for bringing together the group uh, bringing together artists under USA for Africa. Do you remember? We yeah. are the world. Yes. Yes. 1984.
0: All yes. oh, right. He was he was involved in that too. Yes.
1: Yes. In a big way. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was one of the key people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so again, you know, that spoke to his humanitarian activism uh, with Ethiopia. Yes, uh, that
0: came hand yeah. in hand. I should think. Yes, that's right.
1: So yeah, that's. Um, uh, I, I suppose today he's, um, he leads a relatively quiet life. Uh-huh. Um, he's got a big family of children and grandchildren. And as I said, that, you know, um, married three times. So
0: he's got a collection there then, hasn't (laughs) he? (laughs) Was there an influence, and you know, with his Jamaican background, obviously he spent time in Jamaica. Was there any kind of influence in his music in terms, you know, with regards to the music and and the way he had the music? Did that have uh, an effect on it?
1: You mean the Jamaican influence? Yes, yes, for sure. I mean, um, you listen to because the Banana Boat song, obviously, that
0: that's clearly there. Are there lots of other tracks that he's brought that in?
1: That's correct. Yes, Uh, there's one. um, Oh gosh, uh, the name eludes me for the moment. Uh, Da 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 da. -da I wouldn't be able to
0: name that 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 tune. (laughs) That's right. You're the expert.
1: (laughs) Well. Not, uh, you know, things do elude one at the moment, yeah, I and mean, just at the worry. right time, you know, it's suddenly on the tip of the tongue, but uh, that's all right, it'll it come back to sure. But um, yeah, no, he it was there, but he also sang in a, uh, a number of other uh, genres. He did gospel, he did blues, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but yeah, he's most associated with that uh, uh, Jamaican mm. uh, song, and it was
0: beautiful, it sounded amazing. So I think something. they
1: call it Trin yes.
0: Yes, I was reading that. uh, I saw that. Oh, so so, I mean, like, you know, and his legacy today, I mean, his music is still incredibly popular and we still hear his dulcet tones during Christmas time with some of the tracks, uh, the special Christmas numbers and stuff. But he's still probably got quite a big following anyway, hasn't he? Because music, as you said, is timeless and it'll still be there with us regardless.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he pretty much uh, put Jamaica on the map. Yes. um, Through his music. Um, He's... um, won three Grammys, including a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he won a National Medal for the Arts in '94, and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002 for his contribution to music.
0: And when did he come into your life, apart from the fact that you were at someone's house and all they played was the Mary Belafonte? When did you first come across him?
1: I think the very first time I might have heard him might have been at a cousin's home in Bombay. mm mm-hmm. Probably late 70s or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was um, so nice and so different, and you know they would all dance, you know. Um, so that's that's when I uh, um, heard Harry Belafonte for the long uh, for for the first time, mm-hmm. and then of course, you know, um, kept listening to him on the radio, and uh, records and videos, etc. Have never had the pleasure of watching him live, um, and mm. that's. Just going to be a little regret there, but um, all the same, you know, have thoroughly enjoyed his music. There are and probably
0: quite a few um, live concerts and things of his online, are there? Are, can you still see those things? I'm sure in, you can, yes, YouTube yes. I mean,
1: there's not nothing out there... Yeah, I mean, there's
0: nothing like you know, being able to see somebody live. But I think we're very lucky in this day and age that some of these things are preserved and, and we can go back to them and we'll feel ourselves in that audience.
1: That's been the big boon of um, channels like YouTube, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've, um, we still do have access to live performances by a lot of these artists
0: Mm. right well he sounds like an amazing gentleman and I think you know his music was something now tell me we're going to we've got about a minute and a half yet but Mm -hmm. tell me about this particular track because um, you know Nana Muscuri uh, is another one of the artists that we featured Mm -hmm. and this particular track what made you choose this one
1: well because this was an album called um, uh, Harry Belafonte and Nana Muscuri um, and all the tracks in it were in Greek.
0: Oh, right! She okay. made him
1: sing in Greek.
0: <laughs> and as you said, you know, artists—it's a matter of they just listen. It's about their ears, and they pick up on languages. So they don't necessarily have to be speaking that language fluently, but they can just listen to it and mimic it. Right? That's
1: that's correct. And this is the only album that's of Nana Mouskouri that if you look at the cover she is without her trademark spectacles oh oh that's quite a... And that by the way that, that that has a backstory too he um, she toured with him mm-hmm. and there was a point when he said well you know can you just get rid of those spectacles yes and um, she said no <laughs> That's me.
0: <laughs> she was so good, wasn't she?
1: Yeah, so this is um, the one, this track that I have chosen is called Irene. Uh-huh. And uh, it's both of them singing together and harmonizing. But before that, I've got Nana Mushkuri actually explaining the track and with a little bit of her trademark sense of humor.
0: Yes, and it sounds amazing. You've got to listen to this one. Here it is. The Thank you, Jet. we're
1: about to Thank do you. is the story of a young girl with the name of Irene. Irene was not very wise because she always wanted